So uh, the reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and the first 17 verses. And in many versions, it's entitled, The Vine and the Branches. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do remain in me, you are like a branch that is, sorry, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learnt from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Amen. Good morning, friends. <laughs> I'm sure everybody at the back could hear me now. Eh? 
actually someone, some minister once said that. He said, can you hear me at the back? And the guy shouted out, yes, I can, but I'd gladly swap with someone who can't. <laughs> Friends, I want to say what a privilege it is to be here today and just to thank George for inviting me as part of the 50th anniversary of the United Reformed Church. It's always a pleasure to be here, and I see so many familiar faces that it makes me quite emotional, to be honest. Uh, as I walked in here and, and, and met in the group was singing, uh, I started singing with them, and I was just overcome by the Holy Spirit and, and by the emotions that brought back the memories of my eight and a half years that I spent here. Friends, I have today chosen something that's very close to my heart. Because what I see as a minister and what I enjoy seeing is people coming and making a commitment to the Lord Jesus. I think that is one of the, the deepest joys for any pastor, is to see somebody come to faith in Christ, to, to make a commitment to the Lord. And, and some of you here may have made that commitment just very recently, maybe just this past year. Some of you may have made that commitment in the past five years. Some of you may have made that commitment in the last 30 years. But you know, it doesn't really matter how long you have been walking in the faith. Because in some ways, we'll always be new Christians. Always be new Christians. Because we have so many things to learn. But I would like to speak directly to Christians today. I want to speak directly to those who are Christ followers. I want to say that if giving your life to the Lord is one of the greatest joys for a pastor, then I think one of the greatest sadness for a pastor is to see people come to the Lord and, and you know they get a kind of a religious flush for a day or two or perhaps even for a year or two. And then all of a sudden, they never come back to church or they worship when they feel like it. I think that's one of the saddest things that we as pastors go through. To see people moving to a relationship with Jesus, and then they drift away. They drift away. And I want to suggest that one of the reasons why people do not grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ, one of the reasons why many people drift away, is because they don't take seriously what I'm about to say today. And my message can be summarized in three words. Just three words. Let me give them to you straight away. <laughs> Remain in Christ. Remain in Christ. Would you like to say that with me? Eh? Let's say it together. Remain in Christ. Say it again. Remain in Christ. And I think one of the reasons why many Christians don't get off the ground, why many Christians do not learn to walk with God is because they do not remain in Christ. They do not remain in Jesus. And that's yet how we experience the presence of Jesus. Now what I'm going to do as a basis for my sermon is I'm going to use one of those magnificent portions in Scripture. As, as, you, as uh, Brian was reading it, you must have gathered that this was a wonderful bit of Scripture. And the backdrop to the story is that Jesus is with his disciples the night before his crucifixion. These words are almost the last words of spiritual direction for his disciples. He knows that he's not going to be with his disciples for very much longer in the flesh. And he's giving them important truths that they need to hold on to. 
that they need to hold on to in order to live powerful Christian lives. And every sentence that he does here is packed with meaning. But what I want to do today is just focus on the first seven verses. Because if I focused on all of them, we'd still be here tomorrow this time. But I want this passage to live for you. I want this passage to come alive for you. I want God to speak to you through this passage today. God, will you speak to us today through this passage? Now Jesus in verse 1 says, I am the real vine and my father is the gardener. And in this passage, Jesus is using an analogy for our relationship with him. He's, he's using a parable. He's using a word picture. And that word picture is that of a vineyard. I guess in that day, the disciples would, would be familiar with this kind of language. I'm pretty sure that many of the disciples had a little vineyard out in their back garden. They knew what it meant to plant a vine. They knew what it meant to do grafting. Who, who are the gardeners here? Who are the gardeners? Is that the right term, grafting? When, when you take a bit of one plant and you, and you put it into another, you graft it into another plant, they knew the grafting process. They knew about that. They knew about the pruning process. They, they had handled pruning shears. They had watched grapes grow. And this language was familiar to those disciples. It may not be so familiar to us. And this is why we need to be clear about this word picture. Jesus says, he is the vine. Jesus is the vine. And his father is the gardener. And I think what Jesus is saying here is that he is the vine and that the, the father planted him in this world to demonstrate the purposes of the father. Jesus was planted by the Father in this world to show the world the purposes of the Father. Jesus is the vine, the Father is the gardener, and there is an incredible intimacy between the gardener and the vine. Have you ever watched gardeners? Have you ever watched them? There's an incredible intimacy with them and the plant. They talk to the plants. Have you seen that? They talk to the plants. Dee, Dee prays over her plants. Seriously. And Jesus is saying there's a deep intimacy between me, the vine, and the gardener, who is the father. And, and that's the background to this passage. Jesus is the vine. The father is the gardener. And the branches on the vine are us. They're us. We are the branches. Those of you who have become Christians, those of you who have made a commitment to Jesus, you are now branches of that vine. You have been grafted into the vine. The life of the vine is in you, and you are in the vine. And the vine is Jesus. And through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is in you, and you are in the vine. Father is the gardener, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. And then Jesus moves to verse 2, and I must confess that as I read this, I was tempted to ask the Lord whether I could skip over verse 2 and go into verse 3 straight away. Right? I was a little fearful of verse 2. 
but, but it seemed as if God said to me, you know, you deal with verse 2 because you, you need to hear it. You need to hear it. And so in verse 2, Jesus goes on to say, He, the Father, the gardener, He breaks off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. And He prunes every branch that does bear fruit so that it will be clean and bear more fruit. Now, I think Jesus is saying two things in that verse. Now, the first thing he's saying is that it is possible for the branch to be broken off the vine. If it's not bearing fruit, it can be broken off the vine. And I have a feeling that when Jesus spoke these words, the disciples thought of one man straight away. Someone wasn't there. There was someone who used to walk with those early disciples that now wasn't there. It was Judas. It was Judas. A man who used to say, Lord, Lord, but who wasn't there with him any longer. Judas had literally been broken off the vine. But let me say here now that that was Judas's choice. It was his choice to be broken off the vine. Jesus' whole life was one of showing grace, showing forgiveness. And I believe that it would have been the same for Judas. If he had gone to Jesus and said, Lord, I'm sorry, I believe that Jesus would have forgiven him. Because that's Jesus' promise to us, all of us. That if we come to him, and if we ask for forgiveness, he will forgive us and tell us to go and sin no more. And so that's our choice as well. When, When we are in the vine and we decide not to produce fruit, it's on us. It's on us. We make the choice to be broken off the vine. And I think Jesus is giving an urgent word here. He's saying, you know, you can say, Lord, Lord, but bear no fruit. Jesus is always there with grace and forgiveness. And then he goes on to address in that same verse a word to those who are bearing fruit. He says to them, the Father will prune you so that you can bear more fruit. Now, I want to stop there for a while. What what does it mean to say the Father prunes us? How does the Father prune us? How? What, What are his pruning shears? And as I pondered on that, and as I thought on that, I asked God, God, what are you saying here? And I've got a feeling that the way God prunes us is through the things that cause us pain. I'm not saying that he sends them, not at all. I'm saying that he uses them as his pruning shears to grow us, to deepen us, to to bring forth fruit in us. Does that make sense? that he takes the painful things that happen to us, he takes those painful things in us, and they become his pruning shears. It's not that he sent them, but he's using them to deepen us and to grow us. And you know, God can use any situation. He can use a retrenchment or someone leaving or or a terrible issue or disaster, and he can use them as his pruning shears. It can become a time when God begins to prune us and to, and to deepen our love for Him. And, and it deepens our dependence on Him. And we find ourselves turning to Him with a new passion. We find that we become more loving and more caring. We, come, we become more sensitive. 
The father prunes us. Eh? D and I, that's, that's the woman I'm married to, for those who don't know me. <laughs> D, D and I did something some time ago. We, we shared with one another what had given us the most joy. And then we shared with one another what had given us the most pain. I hope it's not me that's given her the most pain. But, <laughs> but then we asked ourselves another question. Where did we grow the most? Where did we grow the most? In the times of joy or in the times of pain? And both of us agreed it was in the time of pain. You see, they were the pruning shears. Eh? They were the pruning shears in the hands of God. And I want to say to you, those of you who are going through pain today, maybe God's at work. Maybe God's at work. Eh? And He's making you more whole. And He's making you stronger within. And, and maybe He's making you more loving. And making you more dependent on Him. Making you more caring. But God's at work. Eh? God's at work. And you can almost see the disciples wondering now whether they were of the branches that were going to be cut off or whether they were going to be the branches that were going to be pruned. And, and Jesus speaks a reassuring word to them. He says, you have been made clean already by the teaching I have given you, so be assured. And he says to his disciples, you have received my teaching, you have received my word of salvation, you've received my gospel and you've acted upon it. You are clean. You belong to me. And maybe Jesus is saying that to some of you here today as well. Some of you have put your faith in Jesus, but maybe you don't feel clean. Maybe you feel that you've made a botch up of your life. But you've put your faith in Jesus. You've committed yourself to Him. And now He's saying to you this morning, He says, you're clean. You're clean. Be, be assured of your salvation. Belong to me by the virtue of your act of faith in me. And then he just says, feel and experience my presence. And then, friends, he moves on to verse 4, and I think that this is the deepest part of the passage. This, this is the, the crux. He says in verse 4, Remain united to me, and I will remain united to you. Remain united to me, and I will remain united to you. Wow. What a promise. What a marvelous promise this is. And then he goes on to say, a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. It can do so only if it remains in the vine. And the vine, of course, is Jesus. In the same way, you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. So, friends, this is the kernel. Jesus is simply saying one thing. I mentioned that the Father cuts off branches that don't bear fruit. Now Jesus is saying, if you want to bear fruit, if you don't want to be cut off, remain in me. Abide in me. Live in me. Be united to me. Experience my presence. Right? Experience my presence. Now I want us to hear that today. Because we don't have to, to work at bearing fruit for God. Christianity is not a self-improvement program. You, you don't have to change yourself. You, you don't have to work up 
the power of God. And you also don't have to try and change yourself. Have, have you ever seen a branch bearing fruit? Eh? Have you ever seen it struggling to bear fruit or, or groaning to bear fruit? <laughs> in, in South Africa, we had an avocado a tree at, in our back garden. And you know that that never woke me up at night. No, seriously, it never woke me up crying or groaning or struggling. But, but there comes a time when the blossoms appear and the life of the plant expresses itself in the blossom. And I think Jesus is saying exactly the same thing. He says, you don't have to struggle and strive to be fruitful. He's saying, just stay united in me. Stay united in me and I will do the rest. Does that make sense? And so what Jesus is calling us to, he is saying, abide in me. Stay in me and let me stay in you. And then you will bear fruit naturally. And some of you may be thinking, now, yes, Hans, but how do I abide in Jesus? How, how do I abide in him? How do I stay united in him? And I'm just going to, I'm just going to skim over this, really. But you listen to him. You study him. You cry out to him. You whisper to him. Wherever you go, you walk with him. You study his words and let his words dwell in you. You love him and you express everything in you to him. <laughs> you become honest with him. And you just go for intimacy. I remember when I was converted, I was a medical rep and I, I used to drive from place to place. And all I would do is I would talk to Jesus. And while I was waiting for the doctors, I would read and I would study his word. And I would just pour out my heart to him. And that hasn't changed. <laughs> I still do it. And it's, friends, out of that intimacy that everything else in your spiritual life comes. It's out of that intimacy that Jesus is able to work in us. Living in the presence, we call it. And you don't have to try and change yourself. You don't have to try and psych up the power. You simply have to work at intimacy. To abide in Jesus, to remain in him. And, and friends, there's no quick fix. There's no quick fix. There's no sudden intimacy. It's not a one-night stand. It's a prolonged process of giving yourself to Jesus. Of talking to him, of listening to him, of crying out to him, of being silent with him. When Mother Teresa was once asked where she gets her patience from, where she gets her endurance from, she replied that all, she got everything just from intimacy with Jesus. Intimacy with Jesus. So easy to go through all the motions of being a Christian and then not being intimate. To do all the right stuff up here. <laughs> but we have no intimacy with Christ Jesus. So go for intimacy, friends. Everything comes out of it. Then Jesus says in verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. And I see this as a bit of an action replay. <laughs> because he's repeating himself. He was getting this message through to them. And then he says, and this is powerful, he says, whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. 
for you can do nothing without me. You can do nothing without me. This is another magnificent promise. That if you abide in me, everything else that needs to follow will follow. You will bear fruit. You will change. The power of God will come to you. Friends, often I cry out to the Lord. I cry out for more patience. I cry out to be a better husband, to be a better father, to have power in my preaching. And these are yearnings that are deep within me. And, and what I do is I bring them to Jesus. And Jesus says to me, Hans, relax. Relax. Just stay united in me and all that needs to happen will happen. And out of that intimacy will come patience. And out of that intimacy will come power. And out of that intimacy will come care. And out of that intimacy will come love. But stay united in me. Remain in me, says Jesus. And then in verse 6, there again is that warning. And, and the disciples knew about it. They knew that in a vineyard, when a tree did not produce fruit, it was torn down and it was thrown into the fire. And Jesus says to his disciples again, make sure you are united to me. Make sure you are united to me. And what he's basically saying is, don't trust your decision 10 years ago. Don't trust your decision 20 years ago. <laughs> Be up to date. Be united to me now. Let my life, throw, let my life flow through you now. Not just yesterday. <laughs> Not just yesterday, but, but now. And again, I ask a question, as I normally always do. Are you up to date with your relationship with the Lord? Or are you still trusting some decision that you made 15 years ago? Is it possible to call ourselves Christians but have no life whatsoever? Because we need to be united moment by moment with Jesus. And then, friends, in verse 7, there's a powerful word as well. It says that when you are united with me, prayer becomes powerful. There, there have been those who on, have abused the sticks. And they have just basically said that you can ask for anything that you want and you can get it. Now, I don't think the Bible says that. The Bible is very clear that if we are united with Jesus and when his words are in us and we are living in his presence, then we can ask for what we want because then our asking has been influenced by his desire for us. And we begin to ask for the things that please him and not the things that please us. Friends, abide in Christ. I, I call you to abide in can you imagine, just for a moment, the sense of God's power and love and presence if every one of us was going for intimacy with Jesus? Eh? Go for intimacy. The Christian life is not one of striving and struggling. It's one of going for intimacy with Jesus. And out of that intimacy comes the guidance, comes the power, comes the caring, comes the love. This, friends, is the life that Jesus offers you today. A life in which we are living in him and he in us. It's a new life. It's a new life. Because when you read the Gospels carefully, you soon discover that the good news that Jesus brings, that this intimacy is the good news of a certain kind of life. John 10.10 10 says, I have come to bring you life.
Life in all its fullness. Life in abundance. John 14 verse 6 says, I am the way and the truth and the... No one comes to the Father but by me. And then John 3.16, most probably the best known verse in the Bible. Eh? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that he who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The gospel of Jesus is the gospel of life. And what an opportunity we have to hold, get hold of this life today. To live in the presence of God, to abide in him and to remain in him. Because when you experience it, friends, it's a life in which God becomes personally real. Can I say that again? That if we remain in him, it's a new life in which God, the creator of this world, God, eh, becomes personally accessible to each one of us. You know, many of us worship a God who seems a, a million miles away, beyond Jupiter, beyond Mars, far away. Well, what does Cliff Richard sing? Eh? From a distance. God is watching us eh? from a distance. Now, it's a wonderful song. I love that song, but it's very bad theology. Eh? I don't want a God who watches me from a distance. I, want a, I, I long for a God who is near, who is real, who is accessible, who is personal. One that I can remain in and he in me. And sometimes people say, you know, when I pray, my prayers seem to hit the ceiling and they come back again. <laughs> Have you ever said that? <laughs> Have you ever thought of that? <laughs> well, I want to tell you today, God is not only on the other side of your ceiling. <laughs> the life that Jesus offers us is a life in which God comes up close and personal. Close and personal. He's also this side of the ceiling. In Mark's gospel, Jesus says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand. And that intimacy is about being in the kingdom of God. And some people have asked, what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is the presence of God. It's the power of God. It's the rule of God. It's the accessibility of God. And friends, that kingdom has drawn near. That kingdom is at hand. So can I ask you this morning about your experience of God? Is it from a distance? Is it an impersonal force somewhere? Star Wars out there somewhere? Or is your experience of God something that is intensely personal? Are you experiencing the presence? Are you in Jesus as, and is Jesus in you? Because the life that Jesus offers is a life in which God becomes personal and real and close and near and we are called to remain in him. May I also just finally add that it's also a new kind of life in which God makes us different. Jesus said in that Mark passage, he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I, I just want to stop that with I will make you. Because Jesus is saying I will recreate you. I will change you. I will transform you into a new kind of person. And that's what the gospel is about. When we become intimate with Jesus, when we remain in him, we become different. We become different. I never went to church for the first 32 years of my life. And then one day in Pretoria, South Africa, I gave my life to Jesus, and that was many years ago. And one thing I want to say about Jesus, if I were to give you my testimony, 
and that is that he makes us different. Right? He makes us different. He changes us. Of course, he would say not enough, but, but he's working on me. He's working on me. Right? I'm a work in progress. And that's the gospel. That's gospel spirituality. Jesus offers us a life that transforms us but only if we remain in him. So how do we remain in Jesus? Firstly, we enter into this life as we come to know and to love and follow Jesus. And then we remain in him by being grafted into the vine, by being intimate with Jesus. And I call you to that intimacy today. But friends, this life, this wonderful life, I have to say is only available to the followers of Jesus. I want to say that the kingdom of God comes to us in Jesus, and Jesus says to us today, come, follow me. And as you follow me, I will lead you into this new kind of life. So abide in Christ. Remain in Christ. Just nestle deep in the intimacy, and out of the intimacy will come all that we need. So friends, go for intimacy with Christ and remain in him. And thank you for the opportunity of me being here with you today. Amen.